Coming up, D-backs dropped the first game of the series to the LA Dodgers. And how did the Pittsburgh Pirates win a game despite being no hit? Discussing all that for you next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. I'm your host, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, downmyportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, of course, at CreatorThomas24 from my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day i would not be able to do this podcast without you my loyal listeners sharing subscribing reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends as i mentioned in the open um we're gonna be talking to sully baseball about that reds versus pittsburgh pirates game because somehow the pirates won a game despite being no hit so it was just a crazy outcome of a game so sully baseball and i are going to be discussing that in part two um, the past two pods, they've kind of just been two part pods because uh, the Monday's pod, the Monday pod I do with Sully, we usually record for 45 minutes. We do like three segment, 45 minute long podcast. So the the segment on the Pirates versus Reds, it's like 15 minutes long. I'm not going to cut that in half. So that's why you've, you're getting like two segment pods the last couple of days. If you guys were wondering, because typically we do three segment pods around here, but it's just been easier to do two segments with the way I recorded with Sully Baseball. So you're going to hear that Pirates and Reds conversation next. But first, I need to discuss... The D-backs game against the, against the LA Dodgers because they dropped the first game of the series 5-4, to four, as you guys probably already know. And it was the kind of game that gets me scared as a D-backs fan and supporter. It gets me scared that maybe they're falling back into their old habits. I don't want to discuss that just yet. I don't want to talk like that just yet. But the D-backs are now 500 on the season, if you can believe that, because they scuffled against the Chicago Cubs, dropping two of three. And now they dropped the first game of the series against the LA Dodgers. Now, they got a big test coming tomorrow because they have a doubleheader against the LA Dodgers. And if you go 0-2 in that doubleheader and you've dropped to two games below 500, that won't look too good after all this momentum you build up. But let's first discuss um what's today? Monday? Okay, let's first discuss Monday's loss to the Dodgers because you could put this loss on three different phases of the game. The vet, Madison Bumgarner, the rookie, Alec Thomas, and of course, the bullpen. Let's first start with Madison Bumgarner because he was kind of shaky from the outset because even though, despite, you know, a pretty clean first three innings, I mean, he didn't allow any earned runs those first three innings. I don't think Madison Bumgarner, um, okay, he did allow three earned runs in the game that was in that fifth inning uh, that counted for Madison Bumgarner. I, I was wondering if they actually counted that against Madison Bumgarner. I wasn't too sure. Um, if they were just going to give that to Alec Thomas or not and not count that against Madison Bumgarner. But they did give Madison Bumgarner three earned runs. And the game started with Madison Bumgarner working through the first two, three innings pretty cleanly. But even though you were watching those first two, three innings and you're like, Madison Bumgarner is unscathed, I wasn't too confident watching him. 
I've been confident watching Madison Bumgarner his previous couple starts, but this start against the LA Dodgers, he was giving up a lot of loud and deep contact. Like a lot of those outs were warning track fly balls. And whenever you're seeing that early in the game, that's never a good sign. And they were able to start, they, they were starting to get to Madison Bumgarner that fourth and fifth inning, especially that fourth inning. Madison Bumgarner really worked a tie rope. I mean, he had uh, allowed the first two base runners on in that fourth inning, allowed two singles back to back. He had first and third one out. Somehow was able to make pitches and get out that inning, but was not able to do that in the fifth inning because uh, it started off with a lead off double. And then after that, it just kind of got away from him. And it wasn't all Madison Bumgarner's fault because Alec Thomas, the other person we have to put a huge amount of blame on, um, he just misplayed that ball in center field. It was a rocket off the bat of Mookie Betts. It bounced. He just misplayed it, allowed two runs to score. And after that, Madison Bumgarner allowed another hit, which allowed another run to score. But you look at those two guys in that inning, and you have to put the blame, I think, for this game on those two people because Madison Bumgarner, even if Alec Thomas tracks that ball down and gets it in cleanly and doesn't have that big miscue. I still think Madison Bumgarner probably gives up a run or two in that fifth inning just because the way he was pitching uh, really wasn't that good overall on the night. I thought he was shaky the whole night. Uh, I didn't. He didn't inspire a lot of confidence in me when I was watching him just because of the contact the Dodgers batters were making and it all started to unravel in that fourth inning. So even though Alec Thomas misplayed that ball in center field, I still felt like Madison Bumgarner was destined no matter what to give up runs in that fifth inning. But because of the Alec Thomas miscue, we'll never know. And you have to put the blame on both of them because I think Madison Bumgarner was still giving up. He was still giving up hits after that miscue by Alec Thomas. And you have to also put the blame on Alec Thomas for, of course, that error he had in center field. And then after that, you have to put the blame on the bullpen who have you know, been a big issue for the D-backs this season. I mean, Sean Pop and what a return from injury because first game back from injury, he goes out there and in a one-run ball game, yes, it felt like the game was over. Let me talk about that because it felt like the game was over after the fifth inning. It felt like that error by Alec Thomas, my feeling was this game is over. That kind of error is going to be the one that costs you this kind of ball game. And in the end, I guess we were right about that, but what, also proceeded to help cost us the ball game was Sean Poppin coming in and just getting shelled immediately, hit after hit, and gave up a two-run shot to Chris Taylor. Like it was a one-run ball game, even though I felt like the game was over after the fifth inning because of how badly the D D-backs played and how close I knew the game was gonna be. Even though I felt like the game was over after the fifth, it was still a one-run ball game. But Sean Poppin decided to change that when he gave up a two-run shot. And now the D-backs were down three runs and it officially felt like the game was over after that. I know it already felt like that after the fifth inning. It officially felt like that after the Sean Poppin debacle. D-backs had a mini rally in the ninth inning with David Peralta two-run shot. I was literally clicking record uh, to start the post-game podcast right before it, literally seconds before that David Peralta shot. And then I decided to keep watching just because you never know once it's a one-run ball game in the ninth inning with the D-backs. Anything is possible. Maybe if Sean Papa doesn't give up that two-run shot, maybe the D-backs end up winning this game 4-3, to three, but you can't say that. It's hard to say. And you also have to blame the offense. That's the other part. We said the starting pitching of Massive Bumgarner wasn't that great. We said we had defensive miscues by Alec Thomas, the bullpen. But also, let me let me add a fourth phase that we have to blame, which is the offense, which has been terrible for 
the whole season. I mean, Ketel Marte was great tonight. Ketel Marte has been hot for two plus weeks now. Ketel Marte, his numbers are insane over the last 15 days. Christian Walker as well. He's batting over 300 with like a 900 OPS over the last 15 days as well. He had a solo shot in this game, as he always does, because there's never anyone on the bases when Christian Walker hits a home run. But outside of that, the D-backs got a whole lot of nothing. They got five hits on the night, 11 strikeouts, another game with double-digit strikeouts, and of course, 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position. Usually, they're like 1 for 9 with runners in scoring position. They weren't even able to do that tonight. Tony Gonsolin was working the slider inside to lefties all night, and the D-backs batters could do absolutely nothing with it. Now, the D-backs have a huge test, as I mentioned earlier, tomorrow in the doubleheader against the Dodgers because you do not want to go 0 for 2 in a doubleheader and drop two games below 500 because then you start building that negative momentum once again. Like I said, to start the pod... I don't want the D-backs getting back into into their old habits. Their old habits scare me, and I feel like they could be falling back into their old ways. So let's at least split it against the Dodgers tomorrow so we can maintain being a 500 team, and I would be happy with that. We got Tyler Gilbert in Game 1 tomorrow. He's been a very effective starter throughout his Major League career. He only has around 10 starts under his belt, but he's got like a 3-4 ERA during those 10 starts. And then you got Merrill Kelly in Game 2. So the D-backs are going to have quality starters on the mound tomorrow against the L.A. Dodgers. Don't know who's going in that first game for the L.A. Dodgers. I think Tyler Anderson is starting the second game. But huge test for the D-backs tomorrow. They have to split the series, and I'm hoping they get it done because if not... I'm scared the D-backs could fall back into their old habits. And if the D-backs don't want to fall back into their old habits, they need to fix their issues. And if you need to fix your car, you need to head to rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Wine door often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning. Wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Go to their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. And hey, go get you a Built Bar if you want a boost of energy because Built Bar doesn't just give me a boost of energy. It helps me maintain a healthier lifestyle because I'm a health conscious guy. I'm trying to work out every day. I'm trying to lose some weight, but my biggest issue is I have a sweet tooth. I like to eat junk food, but it's okay because Built Bar, it, it, it fills my craving because it tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, great for that keto diet. If you want your own Built Bar, just go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other. Network, free and available wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, all right, all right. Let's get into that convo with Sully Baseball. All right, we're here with Millard Thomas. What's your middle name again? Uh, Shane is my middle name. I also have a second middle name, Roberto. Millard Shane Roberto Thomas. Okay, so so imagine if 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 you split, if you were Millard Shane and Roberto Thomas. <laughs> Whoa, could be two people right there. That could right be like there. my podcast person, and then like when I'm off the podcast, that's like yeah. me, my my baseball guys, Roberto Thomas. Yeah, that's that's your Batman Bruce Wayne. Spoiler alert: yeah. Batman is Bruce Wayne. By the way, nothing to do with anything. Batman's first appearance was oh. in Detective Comics twenty seven back in nineteen thirty nine. And it's hilarious to read it now because the comic strips had a big reveal of who Batman was. Like, who is this Batman? And this character, Bruce Wayne, shows up a couple of times. He looks like this stuffed shirt. And it follows Commissioner Gordon. And at the end, the big twist is, but what he didn't know was secretly Bruce Wayne was the Batman. Whoa. Mind blown. Mind blown. Similarly, uh, in the original book of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, written by Robert Louis Stevenson, the entire book is told from the point of view of one of Dr. Jekyll's closest friend who is trying to figure out the relationship between Dr. Jekyll and this mysterious Mr. Hyde. And he can't figure out what their relationship is and why they never seem to be in the same room together. And he can't figure it out. Why? Is it? Who is it? At the end, he finds out that Dr. Jekyll is Mr. Hyde. Whoa. And you're reading it like, yeah, it's because it's Mr. Hyde. It's the same dude. It's, the, it's, it's literally Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, was that uh, obvious? Yep. But back then, man, it was like it was that was the sixth sense of the 19th century right there. Uh, it's like Darth Vader, huh? It's like German Whoa, father. Spoilers. Isn't... Oh, oh. Spoilers. spoilers. Oh, sorry. Sorry for all the listeners out there who haven't seen <laughs> yeah, Star Wars. I can I'll only, uh, thir- 1939 is as close as I'll allow any spoilers. But hey, uh, also spoilers, a uh, a team threw a no-hitter today and lost. Uh, that is just so, that's, that is banana boat time. And I know it's happened a few times. I remember it happened mm-hmm. in, uh, I know. I remember it happened. In, I think it was '89. I'm doing some of this from memory, but I remember Andy Hawkins, who was a pitcher for the Yankees, threw a no hitter in uh, Chicago. But it was a the, the winds were like really weird at Comiskey Park, and the left fielder for the Yankees, who I I want to say it was Gar- it was either Gary Ward or Mel Hall. Uh, it was probably Mel Hall because he was on that team. I do remember that. And one of them just he just. He was trying to find it, circle and circle and circle, and clank off his glove, and a bunch of runs came in, and uh, he he lost the game, which he threw a no hitter. A couple of years after that, I know the Red Sox had a pitcher named Matt Young, who threw a no hitter where he was uh, um, he let up some runs because some walks, errors, and wild pitches. Uh, man, just heartbreaking today in Pittsburgh, where um, Hunter Green. You know, a feel-good story. Guy's been in the minor leagues for a while, came back from injuries, mm-hmm. finally made it to the major leagues, you know, threw great out of the gate. Then, like with the rest of the Reds, he slumps. And he's t- he took a no-hitter into the eighth inning. And, you know, he finished with a line where he threw seven and a third innings, no hits, mm. five walks, nine strikeouts, um and one earned run 
I mean, anyone would take seven and a third innings where you only allow one run and you strike out nine, even with the five walks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the run scored on an infield, uh, you know, a fielder's choice. Uh, Warren came in to finish out the inning, and the uh, the Pirates finished out the game. The Reds are having so they have nine wins. They can't even win their no hitters. I mean, no. Jeff Jeff Carr. Let's feel for you at Lockdown Reds. Good luck. Yeah. It's going to be a long year. You can't even win your no hitters. Yeah, poor Jeff. These were two teams that came into the season with no aspirations of doing anything. And they, when they play each other, um, the Pirates are like, you know what? We're definitely not going to try to win this game. We're going to try so hard not to win this game that we're not even going to get a base hit. We're not even going to try to hit the ball in this game. The Reds said, wait a minute. Stop right there. We also don't want to win this game. So we're just going to let you guys score. Okay, we're going to let you score. Even though you're not going to get a base hit today, you're still going to win today's ball game. And that's what happened with between the Pittsburgh Pirates and Cincinnati Reds. It was basically a game of chicken of who was going to take this win because because neither one of these teams wants to win. Like we've all talked about the Reds and their offseason and them blowing up their team. But the Pirates got in on this like a season early before the even the Cincinnati Reds even started doing it. Because, I mean, they've blown up their team. They got no talent on their roster. They got Brian Reynolds, who has been an all-star. But there's already discussions about maybe the Pirates should move on from him and keep just retooling this roster and keep rebuilding it. So right now... These are two terrible teams, and right now the way that baseball set up with their new draft lottery, you can't sting for more than three seasons before you're basically ineligible from getting a top pick. So I want to see how these two teams rebuild these programs over the next couple of seasons because they seem to have a lot of work to do because when you're a team getting no hit and you can still win a ball game and when you're a team throwing a no hitter and you can't win a ball game, um, your two teams are probably in poverty states right now. So I don't even know what to make of today's game because, I mean, like you said, it's happened before Major League history. I think the last time it happened was 2008. But even when it does happen, it's still crazy to think because you don't normally see a no hitter in a team that gets no hit still wins. But on your Hunter Green point, I mean, he's been up and down this season. His ERA is above six, but it was a nice showing by the guy today. Um, he's throwing, he's a flamethrower. I think in his first start of the major league season this year, I think he threw more 100 mile an hour pitches than the D backs have thrown in the last 10 years and just his first start. So the dude has a lot of promise. And I hope the Reds don't F up his future. Yeah. Uh, it just, you know, I wonder if someone went to bet online and they put a lot of money and they try to throw the game with, they, they try to get the pirates to throw the game and then try to get the reds to throw the game. And this is the result. How could it be any worse? Uh, last week when you and I were on, I brought up the, the game where Harvey Haddix threw 12 perfect innings back in 1959. And he let up an unearned run in the 13th inning and got the loss. Oh, yeah. And we had a discussion on the worthlessness of the win and loss stat. Uh, I can't think, here we are a week later, of a, be- a a clearer example of the worthlessness of that stat because we, we told you the line with Green, seven and a third innings. And, and you take any ace pitcher in baseball history and have him pitching into the eighth inning, you take that. You know, I mean, okay, you wouldn't want him with five walks, but if he had three hits and two walks, you know, that wouldn't be, I mean, that's, it's basically the five base runners over seven and a third innings, nine strikeouts, which is tremendous in seven and a third innings. And of course, no hits loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's an L try harder next time. And the Pirates um, guy didn't get the win. He went seven. I know uh, Jose Quintana. Let's give him some credit. Yeah. You know, when, it, when, it, when he was matching, maybe not, you know, he allowed three hits and one walk. You could make the argument. He was more effective. 
but uh, he struck out five. He pitched seven shutout innings. He yeah, at least, seven, any pitcher you would be happy with seven shutout innings. At least Hunter Green was acknowledged with the loss. We don't even know that you know that uh, Quintana even started because he didn't yeah. get the winner loss. At least no decision. Green no decision. No decision. Try harder next time. Rough. Chris Stratton. Now it's funny. Uh, I I a friend of mine named Christy Stratton, who is a wonderful television writer. Who wrote? She wrote for King of the Hill and a bunch of other really good television shows over the year. I think she yeah she wrote for I think she wrote for Modern Family for a while too. Just oh. really extraordinarily talented. I've known her since she was a uh, a stand up comic and, and really really tremendous writer. And Name I job. saw Chris Stratton won the game, and my first thought was. Man, she's talented. <laughs> For all these shows, picture. and she wins a game. Who won the no-hitter? Chris Stratton. Chris Stratton. Like, Who? what does that tell you about this pitcher's duel between Quintana? Both Quintana and Green were tremendous today. Neither one gets the win. Someone named Chris Stratton came in, who, by the way, faced five batters, and he threw 24 pitches, let up a walk and a hit, he gets a win. He gets to he gets to wave that around in his in his ledger. That's a victory for him. How does this stat have any any validity at this point? Honestly, I mean, we've got to learn that this is like at this point. Don't even list it. That's what, I mean. You and I said that like list your average start, like a typical start, so we can start to see this is how this pitcher is pitching, because this the the victory in this. I I, I hate using the term literally. Because it, but it, I'll say it factually means nothing. Yeah, it factually means nothing. Uh, look at the box score for this Reds Pirates game. You could just do a little name game of if I told you this player's name, would you say this guy's in Major League Baseball or not? Because uh, most of these guys look at this box score. I have no idea who they are. I mean, you're just mentioning Chris Stratton, uh, Stratton, who got the win today. I have no idea who Chris Stratton is. The D backs got outpitched by someone named Justin Steele today on the Chicago Cubs. I have no idea who that person was entering the game. I mean, look at the Cincinnati Reds there, starting Brandon Drury, who's actually having a pretty damn good season, former top prospect for the Arizona Diamondbacks yeah. way back when. Like, there's some really interesting names in this game that's just kind of forgotten about, like the Mike Moustakis's. He plays for the Cincinnati Reds as well. And just looking at the Pirates side, like Josh Van Meter, former D backs, uh, uh, not fan favorite uh, playing for that team and just up and down their roster. Like they have so many guys, like I literally don't know who they are and keep Ryan Hayes. Like he's just kind of become a forgotten guy. Like he was one of their top prospects, one of the top prospects in baseball Had a lot of hype entering last season. And he's actually having a pretty decent year. This is looking at a splits 301, 398, 381. And no one's even talked about keep Ryan Hayes. No one's even mentioned him or the kind of season he's having. Like we've talked about the Jericho Lennox and how he struggled in Seattle and he's being optioned to the minor league. We've talked about, other top prospects in baseball, but because Cabron Hayes is on the Pittsburgh Pirates, one of the most undes, you know, one of the least talked about teams in Major League Baseball, one of the worst teams right now in Major League Baseball. He just become like a forgotten about man, and it's kind of uh, disappointing to see because we always talk about baseball trying to market their stars better, and the Pirates maybe they have a guy who could be a budding star. I mean, they signed into that contract extension right before the season started, and he's so far playing pretty well for the this uh, Pittsburgh Pirates team. You know. First of all, I know that you made a couple of really great points there. One great point is in the Pirates. I know that the batting average is a very flawed stat and may soon mm -hmm. fall into the same category as the wins and losses. I will point out that five of their nine starters had batting averages under 210 in the Pirates. Um, not that, again, not that it's the end-all, be-all, but it's a sign that you're not getting a lot of hits there. Yeah, I still um, care about it. 
I'm old enough to remember there was a computer game that I used to play in the 90s called Hardball. And uh, and I used to play Hardball so often that I actually kept stats in little notebooks. Now, Hardball never got the rights to use any of the actual names of major leaguers. So they had all these fictional names of players. And if you want to have, you know, Hank Contos or Jackie Mora on your team, uh, I played so much Hardball, I knew who was good. Mm. Which is again, you know, I wonder why my love life was the way it was in the twenties. Um, I look at this lineup, and I—is this a real lineup or is this a hardball lineup? Is this an actual major league lineup or is this a uh, hardball where they couldn't get the rights to the players, so they got they 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 created their own league? And uh, I, I would like to like my brother and I used to play a lot of hardball. I know some other people who played hardball, and and by the way, if you played hardball on your computer in the nineties. Uh, shoot me a tweet at Sully Basil. We can talk about our our respective scouting reports and whether we thought Audley and Kama was a, a good hitter and Jay Shepard's speed was. Oh man, you don't steal. You know you can't throw him out. He's gonna. He's he's going. But uh, yeah, yeah, this man, is a, it'd be a fun could, game to play. Of is this a pirate or is this a hardball player? Yeah, I was gonna say so. That should be a segment on your show. Just hardball player pirates or Pittsburgh pirate, or you can even throw the Cincinnati Reds. Make it yeah. two for one deal. Is this a hardball hardball player, or is this a Cincinnati Red or Pittsburgh pirate player? Because seriously, I think if you did that test for people, they wouldn't know. Because if you did that test for me, I guarantee you, I might get half of them wrong. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Shout out to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make Locked On LB your second listen with my pal and your pal, Sully Baseball. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We got part three with Sully talking about Bryce Harper. And then, of course, we're going to be discussing the doubleheader. Hopefully, the D-backs go 2-0 and against the LA Dodgers and hopefully they beat LA. I know it's a tall task, but I believe the D-backs can do it, so let's send positive vibes their way. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces!